Hi, I'm Marilyn and welcome to my Lead Your Day show. Casual chats, interviews with inspiring people and lots of teaching with an inside out approach to not just building your own business, but being the leader your world is absolutely a craving to follow. In a nutshell, I teach entrepreneurs to lead and that starts with leading your day. Before I dive into today's topic, I want to just remind you that if you have not registered yet for the virtual retreat coming up in a couple of weeks, then pop over and do it. We are running the Productivity Cure as a virtual retreat over a weekend. It will be two half days. By the end of the retreat, you will have your life set up so that overwork overwhelm is not the main thing ruling your life. My mission, the mission of Lead Your Day is to truly empower and give permission to women to lead, especially in the new normal that we are facing. We've all discovered after a few months of being locked down that we don't want to go back to the way we used to do things. We need a new productivity. We need new life direction. We need new leadership. We need new marketing. So the productivity cure, yes, I've run it before, but this time we will be paying attention to productivity in the new normal. So if you would like to join us, it's free. Uh, click on the links that are in the show notes and pop your name down and we'll let you know all those details. Today I want to talk about a topic that will probably bring up a bit of controversy. It's certainly uh, talked about a lot in social media and there's some great voices speaking out about it. It's about women and women's stories. Now, I didn't think I had one of those women prejudice stories until I started writing the stories down. Now, I've never been one to feel I need to go march for women's rights or I weren't, wasn't necessarily caught up in the Me Too movement, even though I have great compassion for it. I just felt a little bit sheltered in my upbringing and so didn't really realize the impact on me until recently. And as I said, as I wrote down my stories, it was like the scales just fell from my eyes and I could see where the influence of patriarchy has affected my life. So I'm going to share some of those stories. One memory that alerted me to the patriarchy hold over our thinking was my absolute desire, my absolute desire for this podcast and for the work that I do with women wanting to run their own businesses, create their own income, move into a calling-based business. The heart of what I want to do is to empower women. And that word's used a lot. But when we break that word down, it means to power people, to give women permission. And it's one of those things that deep down, women generally don't feel they have permission, permission to shine, permission to uh, do their own thing, to create their own businesses, to create wealth, uh, to have their own uh, opinions even. And we would laugh at that in this day and age. We think, of course we are. But it is amazing how many women at their heart have a permission issue. So I think if there was one word 
that summed up what the heart of what I'm doing here it is that word empowering and giving permission for women to lead in themselves, lead their own lives, lead their families, lead their businesses, lead their communities, not in a masculine or patriarchy model of leadership, but a new type of leadership. One where is balance between that masculine and the feminine. And we're moving into the new normal. We're moving into, uh, we're still in Corona, but most people believe that life probably won't be the same again in our living history. We're going into a new normal. And despite all the sadness, it's very exciting as well. We're waking up. And part of that waking up process for me has been exploring the role of patriarchy. And one of my mentors, Dr. Valerie Wright, has written a best-selling book, Patriarchy Stress Disorder, not as an anti-men thesis, but to understand the influence on women. And most of it is subconscious. And to really give that message that a lot of what you're facing isn't your fault, So I started to write down some of my stories and I'm going to share them in this episode and I hope it helps enlighten some of the areas where you may have been pulled back due to patriarchy. One memory that alerted me to that hold over our thinking was my first year out of school. I had a gap year because my family wanted to travel to Europe, which we did. Now, my dad had the foresight and vision that we would soon be all on computers. Now, remember, this was the early 80s. And so he enrolled me in that gap year into secretarial school. And it was still called that in those days. I think these days they call a more business school. But it was secretarial school for six months to learn proper typing. Now, everything in me rebelled as the thought of being a secretary felt, oh, it felt, well, now I know it felt patriarchal. It, uh, I don't know why, but there was just something that uh, rose up inside me. Now, I know, of course, just how vital assistants and secretaries are, but the expectation back then was that it was purely a woman's role and the thing that you did in your working days before you had kids, there was just this expectation that uh, if you didn't go to university, you went and you became a secretary and you did your working girl days before you had kids and then you gave up work, you gave up a career. And that was disdainful for me for some reason, which was, I don't know, maybe because my mum had always worked. She was a nurse, a really great nurse. I don't know. It wasn't instilled in me. I don't remember conversations at home about this sort of thing. We didn't talk political. We didn't talk about uh, cultural impact. It was just, uh, it was just part of what was deep inside. Now, the actual fact is that those skills that I learned in those six months were brilliant. They still serve me today. But I see now it was also the awareness of the patriarchy hold over careers. Now, I remember a few years before a conversation with my neighbour, a lady neighbour, and she asked me what I wanted to do with my life. I still remember the time and place where she asked me. I think I was Coming home from school, we often had to let ourselves in because mum was at work. I don't know where dad was. He was around, but must have been at work somewhere. And uh, we used to retrieve the key out of the letterbox and uh, let ourselves in. And I remember meeting her at the letterbox and she said to me, I said I still wasn't sure what I wanted to do. And look, honestly, the way I think now is 15, 16 year olds, even 18 year olds 
shouldn't have that heavy expectation and just decide what they're going to do with their life at that age. Uh, anyway, so she strongly advised, like strongly advised, and I thought she was quite a quiet sort of lady, that I be a teacher so that I could be at home with the kids on the holidays. <gasps> oh, everything inside me resented that. I don't think I had the voice or the words to be able to push back on that. I think I just probably smiled and agreed, uh, sort of a, and that appease response, which is which is part of the sympathetic response. But I resented it, that expectation that I I resented and I resisted it, that expectation that, well, all I should do in life is be a wife and mother. And yes, while I wanted those things, surely there is more than that. Anyway, after my gap year, I did go into a strongly male-dominated field, architecture. I was pretty blind to the fact that only about 10% in the course, perhaps less, were women. Now, I just ploughed through anyway. I did the degree and I don't have any stories of women being second there. I don't wasn't aware of any prejudice against women or patriarchal effect there. It was it was it was a really good time at uni. However, halfway through the course, we had to do this compulsory practical experience, which meant for me six months in an architecture firm. Now, this was pre-computed day, so it was really just hours and hours of drawing uh, by hand layouts of bathrooms in, in retirement village units. I was working for an architecture firm that seriously designed arch retirement village units, which was fine. But I had to draw hundreds of them. And I had this little template that I had to just do the layouts of the bathrooms, where the, where the bathroom was going to go, where the, where the toilets were, that kind of thing. But the owner was very old school male, which is fine. But after a few days, I realised I was the hired maid. Now, it was my job to make sure the coffee and the tea and the biscuits didn't run out. It was a girl's job. And there were other guys from architecture also, you know, from an architectural school also working in the practice. Can I say it was the longest six months of my life. Expectation that that's a girl's job. Now, my first real job after uni wasn't in architecture, mainly because there was a recession on and the building industry was affected. And I don't think anyone in our year got jobs in Australia at that time as architects or junior architects. No problem. I didn't even think about it. I shifted careers into photography. I thought I'll do that for a little while. So I joined a photography company and the CEO who was recent had recently purchased this this business he believed in women and he well he really did gather them around like a rooster in his hen cave but he truly did believe in women and women dominated the leadership roles at all level of the organization now even in my next role in a scottish change management consultancy women were treated absolute equals Gender wasn't an issue. It truly wasn't. Even though we were working in male dominant industry, the oil industry, I maybe was too naive or just didn't notice it. Or I just uh, went with the flow and didn't really have glasses on to, to discern this. But I didn't feel uh, any sort of resistance or pushback or prejudice towards me being a female. My next story is from when I worked on a voluntary basis 
in a charity. It was a charity-based organization, a voluntary organization. And I even worked in that whilst I was working serious roles in other in paid paid jobs. And this organization I helped build up from virtually zero. And yet I was with them for about just over a decade. And yet as a woman, when I showed up as confident and knowing what I was doing, I was called bossy. And even to my face, you're like a bull at a gate. However, if men showed similar confidence, they were applauded as leaders and they were promoted and they were given a voice on stage, literally, literally on a stage and usually big stages. Now here, I was also running a leadership school, hugely successful for 10 years. I was working full time. I was raising a high dependent child with a chronic health condition. And yet I would keep being put in secretary roles. Whenever I stepped up and showed confidence, I was put back into a secretary role. Now the one, you know, the one that was taking the minutes, the one that was taking minutes of meetings and having to organize venues and do all the background organisation. Numerous times I was put as the male leader's sidekick, which was often hilarious as I was 10 to 15 years older than a lot of them and I'd coached or mentored them for years as well, all because I was a woman. Was it meant to be malicious or intentional? I don't think so. It was just the way it was done. It was the, just the belief system of the organisation now, this organisation grew to many, many thousands in major venues in London's West End. And we would have women's conferences. And for some reason, I never liked them. I, they were just, I resisted them. There was something that just didn't click for me. And I didn't realise it until recently. I think it was because of what they stood for, making women feel better about themselves in a community that would always see them less valuable. And whilst they were enjoyable for probably 90% of the people there, there was something in me that didn't feel right. And what rose up in me wasn't a righteous anger about the treatment of women so much, but a frustration of the ceiling, the glass ceiling over me, that it was within someone else's power whether I'd be successful or not. Permission, black and white permission thing. But at the time, I'd been fully, you know, fully believed, call it brainwash or not, but it was a belief system of the environment and the culture that we're in that really talents didn't matter. It was your place that mattered. And it took probably another 10 years to detangle the source of that stronghold on my thinking. Now, today we're living in this corona pandemic and the kids uh, in, still in a lot of the world are being homeschooled. And I just ask, where is the expectation in your family? Is it the mum's role or are you sharing it? Is it based on skill or gender? Is it based on time or gender? Is it based on skill or gender? Is it based on who has the most time or gender? And in a lot of families these days, it's a balanced thing. It's not even thought about that. But still, over society, there is still this stronghold of what is a woman's role, what is a man's role. And still today, women in general take up the majority of the home responsibility, the kids, the meals, the shopping, the health. Now, I'm not arguing against it. I'm just asking 
to be aware and how much of it we agree to when the source of it is patriarchal thinking. I want to just bring awareness to it. So what are the stories in your life that might show the impact of hundreds and hundreds of years of patriarchy that are here in 2020? So here's some questions. Whether you are male or female, what roles are you playing because of patriarchy? Are they based on strengths, desire, experience, talents or personality or define roles handed down to us that aren't relevant anymore? And the answer isn't always to march with placards, although I'm not against that because sometimes we need to bring attention to things that are wrong. But it's about bringing conscious awareness to it, waking up to the impact on our world, on our lives and on our thinking and on our society and healing it rather than pointing finger at it. I hope this episode made you think, made you think and go through the stories of your life and how much is of those self-defeating thoughts that we've had not even been our fault. I'll see you tomorrow. Hey, can you do me a favor? I've got three things I'd love you to do. Number one, pause and hit subscribe right now. Then number two, share it with someone you know that needs to hear this. And number three, go and write me a review. Yeah, it's a bit of a hassle to go find what to do, but it's really worth it to get the message out. And then finally, set a goal to go for a daily walk and listen to this podcast. Because the faster we can share this message, the greater the benefits. Thanks for listening and I'll see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.